Who? 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 <laughs> Stinger! Sting! Every second of every day, the game becomes more of a reality. February 1st, Super Brawl 3. What you gonna do, brother? When you're on your back, and you're in pain, and you're in fear, and Big Van Vader is standing over you, and he asks, do you want to get some color? <laughs> it's like life. You can do anything until you get caught. <laughs> 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 Fucking Bobby Heenan. Uh, guys, welcome to... Uh... Fuck, I don't even know the episode number, but we're doing Raw, WWF Raw, January 25th, 1993, and WCW Saturday night, January 30th, 1993. I'm Joe Dubs. And I'm Zach. And we are here, man. Um, I just wanted to say this right off the bat before we get into some sad news. Uh, it's glad to see Bobby Heenan back on Raw. <laughs> yeah, instead of like, trying to get in the damn building, even though that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. But um yeah, there is some sad news. Uh Animal from uh, the Road Warriors passed away. I didn't I, what happened to him because I just know he passed away. I I didn't see how he died. Um they're saying it's just natural causes. He just died. Mm. Um Road Warriors probably one of my top 10 tag team of all time. Um, I like their gimmick. Uh, I like the shoulder pads. I think they were big, tough guys. And uh, it's it's sad to see him go. Um, I don't know what else to say besides... What, what do you got to say about the Road Warriors? Um, yeah, they're definitely like one of the more famous tag teams in wrestling. That's a tag team, a group of individuals you can bring up to somebody still who's like maybe not watch wrestling for a really long time mm -hmm. or they never even were into it that much. And they, they will probably say, Oh yeah, I know them. I remember them. Mm -hmm. So they're one of those few people you can bring up to somebody and they'll know, and, and you can probably show them a picture and they'll be like, I know those guys. I've seen them somewhere. Yeah. Cause they were huge. They were huge in the eighties. And, Road and, uh, Road, oh, go ahead. Road Warriors is going to be in that. <laughs> That soon-to-be retro wrestling game that's supposed to come out in, like, since July. Whenever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have a whole lot to say about them, aside from, like, I guess their legacy, which I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, they're probably, they definitely have to be in the conversation for being one of the, I guess, the best tag teams ever. But uh, the thing is with me is I didn't really get to see the road warriors in their heyday. Yeah. Me I saw them. I saw them when they were Legion of doom in, in WWF and the general consensus is their WWF run was like, not that good for them. Mm -hmm. Especially later on when they were doing that shit where it's like animal was like, or not animal. Uh, Hawk was being drunk <laughs> and he was, it, and it, they were having problems. They were having that play out like on, on screen yeah. And shit. And then they became LOD 2000 and they had Sonny as a manager. And I was like, what the fuck? Even <laughs> back then, I thought that was like weird and I didn't get it. Um, But I want to go back in time some point and try to watch some of their NWA or uh, w early WCW matches. So if you guys want us to watch some Road Warrior uh, matches, make sure you comment in the episodes. 
yeah. I'm trying to think. We we got to come up with a Twitter or something. It's something maybe go on our Facebook, a Nerd Review Network, or you know Facebook.com slash Nerd Review, and uh, say hey, fucking do this, and we'll you know we'll put it in our schedule some at some point. Um, other than that, there's no other news besides you said Molina's coming uh, might be coming to NXT or WWE. WWE, and that's rumored, and she denied it. But the thing is, everybody always denies that stuff. And then comes out. <laughs> and then it comes out. So, like, who knows? If she gets in, that's cool because, like, it was kind of cool seeing her again. She still she still looks pretty good. She can still work. And, honestly, she does better, uh, you know, character work, psychology stuff than a lot of other women do nowadays. You know what would probably be perfect for her? I mean, she could still wrestle and probably have a, a feud with uh... – Zelina, or whatever her fucking name is, the one with the Andrade's. Uh, Zelina Vega. Yeah, uh, we call it. She should be the manager of the other Spanish guy, the one who like has like, you know, fat girls kiss at him and stuff. <laughs> oh, Angel Garza. Yeah, like. Oh. <laughs> I think that would be pretty cool, uh, Melina and Garza, as a thing. That could. Oh man, she could do that cougar thing with him. Yeah. Oh <laughs> like, man. Like I mean, I would I, I wouldn't blame him though, but yeah. <laughs> like when Eddie did it, kind of, but like with a better looking woman. <laughs> yeah. I think they were around the same age though. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, could, that's a pretty decent idea. I think. I think they're gonna be. I think they're looking to push Selena Vega actually as a single now. I, I don't There's know. Like a, I don't know huh? why I don't know why they didn't do that in the future, like the past, because she's actually pretty good. Yeah, she's actually a wrestler, but like, uh, I it I she did an interview recently and was talking about like how Vince really likes her and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of looking like they're gonna break up that weird team of Andrade and Garza, and Andrade is gonna go somewhere else and. Garza's gonna drift off or maybe go back to NXT. Sad. And yeah. But uh so it this might be her chance to maybe do something in the singles. Hopefully. I mean she's good on the mic. Um well she has to be good on the mic when she has Andrade's who can't even speak English that much. Uh <laughs> yeah. So um or maybe Charlotte Flair just hates Zelina, just like I want that bitch, you know, away from my husband. Because aren't they aren't they married now? No, they're not married. Not uh, yet. <laughs> Maybe someday. <laughs> um Yeah, I don't know what else to talk about because wrestling is still boring without fans. Um Eddie Kingston had a title shot between John Moxley and it was pretty good. I heard that. I heard that it was actually pre- I was shocked that people found that match to be pretty good like most most of those fans did are you hearing the rumor and i think eddie kingston used it in one of his promos that they think eddie kingston is boring and doesn't know how to wrestle i i've heard or seen people say that about him that's in that fan base and it's so retarded like he's sorry to cut you off but he's that's fine he's the reason why they have better mic skills now because he's a good promo. I mean, he doesn't have the greatest body, but I fucking believe him when he says, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I'm, remember that time where he like, 
I'm going to go grab a crowbar out of my truck and beat the shit out of you in N- NWA when he did that promo. Like, I, th- he, yeah. like he, I, I thought he was going to kill the guy. Yeah, I thought he has this, this ability like a lot of people don't anymore. It, it could be for whatever reasons. It could be people getting overproduced in WWE. I think that's the majority reason why people's promos don't come across good or, or they're believable. Um, and then in this, in the other case, like in the case of AEW, there's just not a lot of people in that company that are capable of cutting good promos, mm-hmm. just being honest. And uh, A. Kingston's like one of the few guys nowadays that can cut a promo and he'll draw you into what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you totally just get invested in like what he's talking about, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That fan base is just, they're all about the, they're the evolution of the work rate bro fans from the, the aughts, in my opinion. <laughs> it's, oh my God, I just need to have a bunch of goddamn moves all the time. And just, uh, that's not his style. They're, they're starting to slow it down a little bit. I notice when, you know, when it's like Eddie Kingston and Ricky Stark and all that stuff, uh, things and, and Thunder Rosa, like things tend to be good wrestling. Oh, that's another thing we could talk about. Um, Thunder Rosa, that other chick that she faced, I don't know, it's like a, a Puerto Rican girl or something like that, but apparently she was not selling of what Thunder Rosa was doing, and like they were doing some stiff shots on uh, Dynamite. Ooh. <laughs> I'll have to go find that. Yeah, I'll find a video for you, but I, I've heard there's a lot of people that go, you know, that's how that's called strong style, and I'm like. No, but if you're not selling off of an NWA champion, you need to sell. That means you're just going in business for yourself, and it's retarded. Yeah. A lot of people don't sell like they should. No, and people don't know what the hell strong style is anymore. They just think it's like when you stiff each other. Mm-hmm. Strong style, that's not really exactly what that is or was. Yeah. So... Are we ready to get into some WWF Raw, January 25th, 1993? I'm ready to go uncooked, uncut, (laughs) and uncensored. So, here we go. Show starts off, Sean Mooney's outside, out front of the the Manhattan Center. Mm -hmm. They're still in the Manhattan Center right now. And the Repo Man pulls up in a wrecker. (laughs) He just gets out, and he's like laughing hysterically. And he tells Sean Mooney that he's he stole he's got macho man's hat he's wearing it shit and he's like i'm gonna repo savage's career he's, <laughs> he's gonna repossess his career and then he just runs inside laughing which by the way i love that he uh f- fucking like almost killed mooney by pulling up in his little pickup truck and, <laughs> yeah and I, I was just dying it was funny like Here's the thing. Honestly, Repo Man is like one of those shit occupational gimmicks that Vince McMahon tried to get over. Mm-hmm. But the guy who's Repo Man, I think he's Barry Darso, but I'm not 100% on that. That guy used to be one of the demolition dudes. Yeah. Um, He's he's a pretty okay worker and stuff, but like he went all in on the gimmick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like he's totally in on it like he goes all in on the promos and the silliness of it and like he kind of makes it work a little bit yep like i don't care he's just entertaining 
so I wrote down here because uh, I didn't catch the. Here, I'll just say it. Commentators are Vince McMahon, Bobby Heenan's finally on commentating, and I wrote dumb comedian because I don't Rob know. Bartlett. Rob Bartlett, yeah. The, the dude you said was a, a fucking radio guy in New York. Yeah, like a comedian radio guy in New York. Uh, which, by the way, I want to point this out. He didn't do his fucking job like half of this fucking uh, show because there was a point uh, which I think I have it written down. I think it was during the Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect match. He's dead silent where Vince McMahon has to go. What do you think, Rob Barlett? He's like, I'm just so amazed by looking at this match. I've never seen it before. And I'm like, dude, you're just doing nothing. And I, I and I guess this is where Vince is like, we we need to get rid of him. <laughs> I got my own theory about that. But yeah, I got stuff to say about him throughout this show. Jesus fucking Christ. Mm-hmm. anyway we start off with randy savage and repo man repo man comes out first and he gets in the ring and he's got macho man's hat and he's goofing off and then the madness gets him from behind yeah he he fucking just sneak attacks him he just he just runs in there and just wham right in the back of the head he pearl harbors him sorry if that's offensive (laughs) i don't give a shit (laughs) it's Uh, wrestling terminology brother i don't mean anything by it um i want to point this out I hate the joking of Macho Man in this match. Oh my! This is this is one of the things that pissed me off about this guy. I mean, before when we watched the earlier episodes, I didn't like him anyway. Mm-hmm. I thought he wasn't funny at all. He tried really hard to be funny, and like none of the humor ever came across. But in this match, he was just doing a shitty job. Yeah. Like they involved him in the angle. You know, remember when Repo Man, uh, he stole Macho Man's hat and then he towed Rob Bartlett's blazer away at yeah. the end of one of the episodes. He's like, that's my blazer. <laughs> it wasn't believable, though, like because he's, he's not a good actor, but it, like they put him in the storyline a little bit and he couldn't even sell him hating on Repo Man because he was going back and forth and making fun of fucking Macho Man's bald spot. Yeah, like at first, like the whole thing was like, yeah, I want I want Randy Savage to win because fuck him. He stole my blazer. Mm. And then halfway through the match, he starts making fun of Macho Man. He starts. Yeah, he starts. He says, like, uh, oh, man, if I had hair like that, I'd wear a hat, too. Yeah. And he starts doing really shitty Macho Man impressions like he's making fun of him. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? You're cutting down the baby face and you're supposed to be cheering for him. I, I have a feeling Bobby Heenan must have been really pissed. I mean, I know Vince was probably like, you know, probably being a child, in my opinion, and probably giggling a little bit. But I bet you Bobby Heenan is like, dude, he's not putting Randy over at all. He's like making him a joke. And I was getting really pissed off about that. I was like, how can you make fun of... And Vince Vince brings it up. He's like... You know, if Macho Man hears that, he's going to, you know, kill you. And he's a, you know, I I don't know how many time champion, but he's this many time world heavyweight champion. And he was still making fun of him. Yeah, there is. I have it written down the specific part where it's like, okay, this is what I think is what's going on here with, with Vince in him. I think Vince has started to realize this guy is just sucks and it's not working, mm-hmm. but he's got to play his role on screen. Yeah. 
So he's he doesn't really he tries to shepherd him through these matches and he gives him stuff to try to bounce off of like repeatedly through each of these episodes and he just doesn't catch it. Mm-hmm. And then he puts Heenan in there with him who's like great at that kind of stuff and he still can't Heenan is like way up here and he's like down fucking subterranean level. He can't there's no correlation there. <laughs> um but like God damn it. I wrote, he's fucking awful on commentary. And I, I, I said that shit about him flip-flopping mm-hmm. and he starts cheering for repo man. And then F- Heenan just finally goes, where did you get this guy? <laughs> yeah. <And then, laughs> I think that's, <laughs> I think that's genuine. I think that was literally genuine where Bobby Heenan is like, where'd you get this guy? Cause he's not putting, L- listen to me. There's a point where you can joke. You can make a joke here and there about macho man. And I think macho man would roll, you know, Kind of roll his eyes a little bit go, yeah, brother, yeah, yeah. But, like, when you're making fun of his, how he looks and how he's getting hit and stuff, like, it's like, brother, he's fucking macho, man. Fuck fuck off. Seriously. (laughs) But, like, Vince goes, well, uh, we were coming out of the subway and he said he needed money. (laughs) And then he is like, are you serious? Freaking charity case. You give anybody money. (laughs) It's like he, he kind of went in on the joke there. Um, that got I, me. I wrote down uh, because this is where the fucking dumb comedian starts talking about like Bill Clinton out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. And he didn't go. The Hillary, though, you know, wearing that gown and stuff. And like, oh, he, man. Yeah. He, he didn't call Hillary Clinton hot. L, and I wrote LOL, LOL, LOL. <laughs> I mean that was that was like you know twenty some years ago at this point. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't really remember what she used to look like. Mm-hmm. But um, anyhow, the match itself is just kind of okay. Yeah. And I don't really think it helped that the commentary was so bad. Fucking Rob Bartlett was like dragging it down. Yeah. Uh, there's some pretty basic stuff. Repo man slams Savage's head into the stairs a couple times and throws him into the post, and that causes him to get advantage through most of the match. Yeah, and they come back from a weird break spot, and then Repo Man is still in control, and he tells kids to shut up, and it was funny. <laughs> yeah. And then he tries to do something from the top rope, but then Savage just jumps in the air and clotheslines him in midair. Yeah, this happens a lot in this. And also WCW, where they do this like weird, like it looks like you're punching, but they're they're being called clotheslines, and I'm just like, well, that's weird. But it, he he quickly turned it into a sweet flying elbow, so I forgive him on that. Yeah, it, I think it's just like yeah, they'll call it a clothesline if the dude swings his arm and the dude goes down. Mm-hmm. It's most likely it ends up being a forearm smasher elbow if they go errant with it, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Savage Scoop slams him. He jumps up and he hits the elbow for three. And then after that, he throws Repo Man out of the ring. <laughs> and then he goes to the top rope like he's going to jump off of him from there down to the floor. And all the referees come out. They're like, no, stop, no. They, they block him from doing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know, match felt flat. Awkward commentary hurt. The, the match i like that macho man came out looking kind of crazy though yeah i gave it a 5.7 out of nine i mean out of 10 <laughs> i gave it a 5.0 out of 10 yeah rob uh, bartlett fucked it up for me i wrote this down 
So, like, when they came back from commercial for a little bit, I don't know if you got this, but I got this off of a... But somebody recorded on their VCR, so I was like watching when probably when it went live or something. <laughs> <laughs> There's a ring girl, and Heenan goes, "Give me," it says, "Give me a honk to that ring girl." <laughs> hey, give her, give her my room number. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was in there. That was in the broadcast for me. Cool. Um, Vince hypes WrestleMania at Caesar's Palace. They're they're hyping it up. Then there's a recap of the Royal Rumble and the the Royal Rumble control room. Yeah. It looks a little bit better than the WCW Super Brawl Center. Yeah. <laughs> Only a little, though. Then we go to uh, Kamala versus the Brooklyn Brawler. And if you don't know who the Brooklyn Brawler is, he's a perennial jobber in the WWE. Yeah. He's, he's been around, I think, since like the early 80s. And I don't know if he was a jobber back then or not, but like ever since then, the dude's just a jobber. He just comes out, he wears like a shitty t shirt. He looks Italian. He wear, he's got shitty jeans, and then he just like does some shit. And then usually he gets his ass kicked in like two minutes. Mm. Like here. <laughs> I wrote this down. I wrote Kamala does well for not being good at wrestling. Uh, on the on the few moves that he was doing, I wrote Kamala is so over with this crowd with Reverend Slick by his side. <laughs> Which, by the way, Reverend Slick is a great name. <laughs> <laughs> I just always think of a pip named Slickback from Boondocks. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I see him, I'm just like, "What oh, the fuck, man?" And I wrote uh, and I wrote this as my final uh, thing. I wrote, "Yeah, it was a squash, um, but Brooklyn Brawler kind of." Uh, stood in there for a while and I wrote why was this a thing because I don't watch a lot of Kamala matches but was this a thing that he didn't know how to pin people <laughs> yeah that that's a thing that's he doesn't understand the rules of wrestling oh that's part of his gimmick that's what I was gonna say it's like it, I, we mentioned it back when Kamala had died a, a month ago or so mm-hmm. that like uh Jim Cornette said like that became his gimmick the fact that he couldn't work that good and he turned that into part of his gimmick mm-hmm. And I saw it watching this match. I was like, dude, I totally get it. Like, this is actually pretty good. The way he's working, yeah. it's like he's not doing wrestling moves and shit. He's just like doing these brain chops and just throw tossing the guy around. And then he does the, the belly slap shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's 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 funny. It just works. I don't know. Uh but yeah, then he would do that. This this cracked me up when he was he he splashed him and then he like rolled him over onto his stomach and tried to pin him. Mm-hmm. And then the referee's like telling him, no, it's, that's not how this works. And then Vince is like, he's having trouble pinning him. And then he, he rolls him over again completely to where mm-hmm. he's back on his stomach. And then he's like, and he rolls him over again <laughs> and again and again <laughs> until finally pinned him. I don't know. It was funny. It was a fun squash. It was, it was a good one. Yeah. I don't have a score for this because it was a, a squash. Yeah. Then uh, Vince interviews Slick with Kamala. It's basic. He thanks the fans for liking Kamala, and he warns Harvey Whippleman and Kim Chi. Although, I don't know if, if Reverend Slickback realizes that Harvey Whippleman has giant Gonzalez now. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I'd be threatening him. Yeah. Even if he has that goofy-ass bodysuit. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Yeah, I, I thought that was a weird face promo for Kamala um, with Reverend Slick. But the fans love him, and, and the fans love uh, Kamala. So I guess what a face turn. <laughs> right? Yeah. So then, main event time. It's uh, Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect. Loser leaves WWF. Uh, uh, this match. Match of the night, I'm just going to say. It was it was good. So far, this is the best match that's been on Raw. Yeah. Up to this point, like, easily. Uh, and uh, what do you got to say about it, though? Uh, I wrote down... I said, Mr. Perfect, uh, getting some, uh, getting the edge a little bit. He was, the tempo was high. He was doing brown moves with Ric Flair. Uh, <laughs> I love the defensive tactics that they were doing. Um, they they kind of showed a story here and there where they were kind of, uh, you know, being defensive in each move that they were doing, and the commentators actually commentated on that where Heenan was going. You know, he, you just can't go in there, McMahon, and be, you know, all crazy. You got to, you know, you got to plan things and you, you got to be defensive and all, all that. I love the chops that were going on. Mr. Perfect can throw some fucking chops. His chops were louder than flares during this match. Yeah. I was like, damn, man, he's, his chops are like blistering. Um, <laughs> There was a part where uh they go back and forth for a while and then flair rolls out of the ring after like a i think a shoulder block yeah and then he gets off commentary real quick he's like i got i gotta go i gotta go and he gets off <laughs> and he's, he's he's out there talking with flair and then they're near the timekeeper's table mm-hmm. and then the camera very obviously shows that Heenan has stolen the timekeeper's hammer yeah and then vince is like well, why does he have the timekeeper's hammer what's he doing <laughs> <laughs> they never really bring it up again but when he goes after this he goes back to the table he's like why did you steal the hammer he's like what are you talking about i didn't do anything <laughs> and then and then that's the part where it's like it's like life you can't do anything until you get caught <laughs> you can do whatever you want until you get caught <laughs> chop exchange and flare flops oh he yeah flopped a couple times in this match his selling was uh very rick flair like well not like it is him but very it is yeah <laughs> Flair gets some chops or no perfect gets some chops and some jabs and then Flair suckers perfect in with a thumb to the eye the old thumb to the eye mcmahon <laughs> he, he throws perfect outside and he goes to grab a chair but the ref stops him and was like yes hit him <laughs> he was all about hitting him with that chair um See, Flair was perfect in the corner, and he takes, like, a crazy-looking turnbuckle bump. Mm. Uh, and I think he overshot it when Perfect was flying over the, the top because mm. it looked like he lost his balance. He was about to fuck up and, like, land on his head on the apron or something. <laughs> it was awkward, but he kind of saved it. Yeah. It must have been a rough landing, though. Yeah, because he uh, there was a part where he goes over, and, like, the camera's off for a little bit. And then, like, you see Perfect, and then he has to, like, go down on his knee. I think he kind of, like, oversold it way too much. Way too much. I think he was just trying to compensate for for that mistake there, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he came up, and he got some collar. Take a shot, I guess. Yep. <laughs> he was off, that was obviously his spot to get some collar. Um, 
then they he gets control he gets perfect back in the ring and this like perfect's basically getting his ass kicked for a while after this flair gets some snug looking shots and throws him in the corner and perfect hits the corner and he flips forward <laughs> out of the corner and lands on his back and then this i like this part this is cool he, he right after that flair gets over there and he puts perfect in like a cravat hold mm-hmm. cravat's like kind of like a weird headlock it's like a standing side headlock thing yeah and he puts he puts him in that and he turns it into a pinning combination and it forces perfect to kick out of like several pin attempts really fast yeah well he's got his feet on the ropes and i was like that's fucking cool i've, I've not ever seen anything like that actually yeah, and another, another cool part where he does his little heel things with the ropes is the figure four that uh, was put in. I love that he was using leverage so he can't get flipped over. Flair used a lot of leverage during this match. Yeah. There were several rope grabs by Flair. Um, Perfect throws some desperation punches, and he nails Flair with a couple, put, putting him down. Mm-hmm. And he goes for a cover for two. They get up and they do this really long backslide spot. And Flair kicks out. Nobody does backslide spots anymore. Nope. I don't know. I guess it's boring. <laughs> um, they go back and forth. Flair rolls out. He tries to get back in. Perfect hits him with some chops and a nice suplex into the ring. They crisscross. And then Flair gets the sleeper. <laughs> He's got him in the sleeper hold. Perfect whips Flair into the ropes, and he goes for something. And botches. Yeah, he. I don't know what he was trying to do. I, I don't know if he was going for a head scissor thing or something, and they miscommunicated. Yeah, it looked like he was going for a fame answer. I guess that's a scissor. <laughs> I don't know. If, <laughs> no, the fame answer is like the rocker dropper. Yeah, because it looked like he was trying to do that, and then like Flair's like, nah, that's not happening. Uh, they must have just fucking misunderstood each other because back then the, no, a lot of guys didn't just go back there and have an agent plan their match out with each other mm-hmm. like those two guys are probably like see you out in the ring brother okay that was it yeah <laughs> for the for those two that's most likely what they did um but they, he kind of saved it and he turned it into like this really rough looking like side headlock thing mm-hmm. and you could buy it because perfect's tired you know he's been getting his ass kicked the whole time he's bleeding um, let's see. Then Flair picks him up and does this super delayed back suplex. It was good. Mm-hmm. He gets that figure four in. He's he's grabbing the ropes. Then ref catches him and he breaks it up. Then we come back from a break. And I like this part. Flair reaches to his knee pad. He pulls out like some kind of like loaded object and he just hits perfect with it. And knocks him out. <laughs> <laughs> and he is like yes, yes. <laughs> I loved Eaton in this match. He was like overselling, like worried for Ric Flair the whole time. It's just like the Royal Rumble '92 when he was in the. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Eaton was going to blow a gasket. <laughs> uh, he hits him with an elbow drop after that, and he gets a two. He's perfect. Put his feet on the ropes, and then he kicked out. Yeah. Flair works perfect in the corner, and they he perfect gets fired up, and he makes a comeback. He hits a backdrop clothesline. Throws Flair in the corner, and he does that insane bump where he flips over the corner, runs full speed to the opposite corner, hits <laughs> up on the top rope, and he tries something. And usually he either gets thrown off or he misses. 
yeah. when he does that. I fucking love that when he, he he of course quit doing that when he got older. But I remember the first time I saw that, I think it was in a Ricky Steamboat match. I was like, "What the fuck? This <laughs> is crazy." Yeah, and it because I I thought he was like way over because I thought what happened is when he got thrown into the corner. I was like, oh, he's going to do one of those flops and stuff. Like, <laughs> like walk the apron and just fall off. But no, he, he, he walks the apron and he goes on the top rope. And I thought, again, I also thought he was going to flop. Like, he would get to the top and then, like, fall down. That would be funny. I would have laughed. The, the thing is, is I've seen him do that spot before, actually, on Steamboat. Uh, and I think a couple other people. Mm-hmm. And he's actually hit a top rope move from that spot a couple times. So there's still enough doubt in my mind. Is he going to hit it or not? <laughs> Every time he does it. He doesn't do it all the time he, back then. He's, he only did it once in a while. Um, Let's see. Yeah, Perfect does the midair clothesline we talked about. Yeah. <laughs> he hits him with it, knocks him down. They they jockey for a bit in the corner. Flair flips Perfect to the mat, and he does like a roll-up thing. And he puts his feet on the ropes. Until he gets caught, and he, uh, Dave Hebner kicks him off of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then they, he perfect does a cradle. They crisscross, and then suddenly perfect just hits perfect plex on him, and he beats him. Yep. Heenan is pissed. <laughs> and both Ric Flair and him run away. He's just, he's just sad. His his friend has to leave. His investment, but he has the narcissist now. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. He he said the narcissist was like better than God or something. <laughs> <laughs> so what'd you give this match um i gave it an eight out of ten i gave it an 8.5 out of 10 i only brought it down a little bit because of the small botches but overall best match of the night best match that we saw so far in wwf raw uh and i guess this is the last time we see rick flair in wwf for a while yeah for a long while yeah um, he's going to be back on WCW programming here very soon. Uh, I thought it was great. Perfect selling was on point the entire time. Flair was flair. Mm. Heenan was amazing. And Rob Bartlett shut the fuck up during this match. This is part of my theory. I think somewhere between breaks, Vince told him, all right, just shut up for this match <laughs> because it made it way better. I was like, oh my God, he's not saying stupid shit. There, like I said in the beginning of the the show, is like he, he did at some point, Vince. But like you know, we haven't heard you in a while, Rob Bartlett. What's what do you think this match is like? I've never seen it before. That is crazy. Part like, of me thinks that like when during this match, when uh, Perfect did that crazy turnbuckle spot, and then he came up and he was bleeding. Mm-hmm. I think it confused Bartlett. Like <laughs> I think he didn't know what to think all of a sudden after that. Like he's like, what the. Like, he acted like he was, like, he thought he was actually hurt and shit. <laughs> like, I, I, the way he sounded, I thought. But, let's see. Next week, they hype up the big match. Do you remember what it is? That I didn't get to see. It cut off. Ty, typhoon versus Doink. <sighs> That's the big <laughs> They're like, next week, Typhoon versus Doink. I'm like, really? That's what you tell people to tune in for next week? <laughs> Come on. That's garbage. <laughs> I, I hope there's some other match on there that's like obviously way better that they should have said. That way I can say that next time. <laughs> um it was a pretty good show. Rob Bartlett needs to go away. Yeah. Six point five out of ten. 
Um, I'm actually gonna bring. Um, let me see. Hold on. Yeah, I'm gonna bring mine down a little bit. I'm bring. I had it at seven. I'm gonna put it at six point seven five out of ten. All right. Yeah. It's pretty good so far. I think this is the best raw we've seen. Yeah. I think so. So now we go to WCW Saturday night. January 30th, 1993. Yep. Opening promo with tag champs Steamboat and Shane Douglas. Pretty good. Not much to, it's, it's, it's pretty good except for Shane Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> Shane, Doug- Shane Douglas, he sounds really stagey here. Yeah. Like he's acting. <laughs> like that's what it sounds like to me when he cuts promos. I wrote down, I was like, it's a pretty good ready to fight promo. Um, I just think that uh, Steamboat did did a better job of making me hype because that's fucking He's, Steamboat. Yeah. <laughs> he sounded more natural and like he was pissed. Yeah. Um. Then we got Z Man in singles action against the Family Man, Chris Benoit. <laughs> <laughs> they should have gave Ricky Steamboat's Family Man theme to Chris Benoit. <laughs> Um, I, I wrote down, I said, wow, Z-Man is keeping up with Chris Benoit. Uh, he was pretty fast paced. Um, it looked, some of the shots looked, uh, stiff. I loved the head scissor, uh, move that he did. That was pretty sick, actually. Yeah. Because I was like, holy shit, that's cool. Uh, and then this is when Benoit does the, the, the psychological and, you know, slow down the fucking energy of Z-Man because he's like, all right, this guy's getting too fucking, too fucking rowdy. I got to bring it down a little bit and starts doing those like back stretches and stuff. Uh, yeah. Which, by the way, I love that back stretch. They, they need to do more of those. Girls only do that nowadays. Yeah, it's garbage. That snap suplex Benoit's, man. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of anybody else that does one as good. Dynamite Kid's probably the only other one. Um, I, I know you hate to hear it, but Kenny Omega does it all right. No, he executes moves well. It's just his psychology is fucked. Yeah. He just, I don't know. It's like he doesn't know how to have a match that looks like a fight. This <laughs> <laughs> is his problem. Jazz hands. Yeah, the jazz hands. Twinkle toes, McFinger bang. <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh, yeah, Benoit gets advantage for a while. Z-Man tries to come back. He throws some punches, some big swing punches. Yeah. And I thought it was weird, though, that he was kind of not selling, like, all the punishment Benoit did to him, though. Yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, you know, Benoit was kind of fucking him up, and then he started... I think every wrestler during these times tried to do the, you know, this is this doesn't phase me kind of thing, like a hulking up kind of thing going on. And it's you can't real- Hulk up unless you're not unless you're Hulk Hogan or your Ultimate Warrior or your Undertaker mm-hmm. or some big guy like Vader or maybe even Sting. I could buy Sting doing that. Yeah, but I, I feel like when he's doing that and it kind of puts disrespect on Benoit a little bit. I don't know much about Z-Man, honestly. Me like, either. <laughs> I've heard a few little like off-color comments on like uh, Cornette's podcast about him. I think he used to do supplements a lot, if you know what I mean. Mm. <laughs> but I, other than that, I don't really know that much about him. I mean, when you're called the Z-Man, I guess you have to, like, roid up at some point. <laughs> I mean, your name used to be Tom Zink 
And then you're like, man, you would be cool if, if I called myself Z-Man. <laughs> the Z-Man. Man. I mean, I guess it's <laughs> he would be perfect with Retribution, right? T-Bar and Z-Man. Z-Man and <laughs> whatever the fuck Slapjack. the names are. Slapjack. Fucking Stevie Ray Slapjack has come back. <laughs> um... Benoit regains control and he hits a top rope drop kick and he kips up and then he like suckers him in and does a dragon suplex and he pins him. Yep. What is it? I, I have it at 6.75 out of 10. Um, I wrote down, I love that drop kick that he does. Kind of kind of like a missile drop kick a little bit. Sort of. It's like the front loaded one instead mm-hmm. of like diving off to the, like you come down on the side and hit him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I gave this a 6.0 out of 10. Cool. Pretty close. Uh, most, it's mostly Z-Man's fault, in my opinion. Yeah. He, he wasn't selling. And then I don't, I'm don't. i not like terribly impressed with Z-Man. I think he's okay. In the beginning, he like, was doing fine. And that head scissor thing, I think that should be his finisher, in my opinion. Yeah, like, like I guess I have to describe what he did, because to just call it a head scissor is just like, well, yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> So, like, he, he suckered him into the corner, and he was trying to do, like, one of those corner head scissors, kind of like what the best modern comparison I can make is, like, when Mickey James does that. A lot of people know that move. Yeah. So, he's doing that style thing, but what he does is, is he moves himself over on the ropes, and then he does this, he spins. He, like, he spins really fast, and it causes Benoit to spin out. It's kind of like when Sky Too Hotty used to do his. Yeah. <laughs> he did a spin thing. Except he was doing it on the ropes. And I was like, that was fucking cool. That was a good little twist on that move. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. T- Tony interviews Max Payne. Oh, God. Who looks like shit. He looks like shit. And he's doing an un- he's doing a combination of Jake the Snake and Undertaker at the same damn time. And it bothered the fuck out of me. What do you mean by that exactly? The way, you know how, like, Jake the Snake talks? He's like, I'm going to... Uh, you know, uh, take you by the neck, brother, and I'm gonna, you know, choke you out like a snake. And <laughs> and then and then it's like Undertaker, and like he's trying to be all. I I guess what I'm trying to say, Undertaker, is with his fucking hair, like. Yeah, he's got his Max Payne has this frizzy fucking '80s looking hair. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be out of place in like the mid to late '80s, but now we're in 1993. If he didn't have a ridiculous look, I would have said not bad promo, which I did. I wrote the Alpha Omega promo that he did was kind of cool, but he looked goofy. <laughs> so I was like, fuck off. <laughs> the other thing is, it's funny you said Jake the Snake. You made that comparison. I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, Jake would take, he'd cherry pick song lyrics out, out of songs he really liked and, and integrate them into his promos. Okay. And he did this, but he straight up said that was by Megadeth, by the way, like right after he fucking said it, <laughs> like he straight up lifted like several verses of a Megadeth song. And that was the opening of his promo. He's like, Megadeth didn't know they were writing that about me, but they did. <laughs> like, Okay, dude. It was a pretty decent little promo, though, for, for him, I thought. Yeah. He just needs to, like, shave his head or something. He needs to do something with his hair. And, That's get, like a, the, the big... and get a better fucking outfit in a match yeah like i don't know it's weird that everybody is so colorful they have crazy ass color singlets and then his is just like black yeah 
and he just causes him to look like I don't know, like white Mark Henry. <laughs> <laughs> the way his body is and shit, it's weird. Um, two cold Scorpio and Brad Armstrong against Ron Hagen and Sergeant Buddy, Buddy Parker. Parker. <laughs> Buddy Lee Parker. I saw him. And I'm like, what the fuck is this diet big boss man? Like, mm-hmm. oh jeez. But then he took off the thing, and I'm like, oh, he has an actual wrestling getup. Okay, he just comes out dressed up like a cop, and then he takes all yeah. the shit off. Yeah. So I wrote uh, talent versus an over-the-hill jobber and a diet big boss man. Mm-hmm. And that was the match, because honestly, all this match was, it was a squash, and it was mostly a showcase for Scorpio. And Brandon Armstrong, I, I gotta admit, I like the team, because it's unique, because it's an actual... Like I shouldn't call too Scorpio too too cold Scorpio like a, not a wrestler but like he's he's like a cruiserweight with all the sort of yeah. yeah and then you have Brad Armstrong who's the old schooler kind of you know wrestling way uh, so I really digged it and Brad Armstrong was going fucking nuts like he was keeping up with too cold and I was like oh that's pretty cool yeah he he kind of sold a little bit more during the match for the jobbers. Mm-hmm. he's the one that finished it though he came in and finished the guy with a russian leg sweep i was stunned yeah i was like oh my god i mean his russian leg sweep looked great though um it was a squash uh it was good it was it was really good showcase for scorpio again it's like uh, after that match with barry windham i was kind of disappointed in it. i think it was just a style clash thing mm-hmm. i'm still like i'm still holding out for like man i bet scorpio is gonna have like a really good match with somebody soon i just i don't know who but i feel like it'll happen so I have no score, but I, I kind of want to get into the next part, which is funny. Oh my god, this was the best. This, <laughs> this is debatably the best part of the show. <laughs> Sting. This whole segment is Sting finding the White Castle of Fear. <laughs> it's awesome. It plays out like a almost like an '80s movie. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like Sting drives to an airport and he goes to a helicopter and has a dude drive him to drive him, fly him to the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, which I think is ridiculous because it looked like, you know, because WCW is in Atlanta, right? Yeah. So he drove to an Atlanta airport and he says he goes into the, the helicopter and he goes, I'm going to a party. And I'm like, <laughs> you're going to Vader's White House of, you know, what is it? Fear? White Castle of Fear. White Castle of Fear. Like. You're going to his, you know, dungeon and all that stuff. And he's like, his oh, lair. His lair. I'm going, no, I'm going to party. And it, from Georgia all the way to the Rocky Mountains on a helicopter with no, like, Phillips. <laughs> yeah, it was either that's what happened or Sting drove a car or, or he took a plane to Atlanta to fucking Denver or some shit and then rented a helicopter there. And that's what we saw. But, like, they didn't say. Mm-hmm. So here we are. <laughs> but they fly around a bit and it shows Sting with the scroll. He has a scroll from Vader with his <laughs> own with his own like symbol on it. And it's like, come to the White Castle of Fear, Stinger. <laughs> and he's just like sitting there thinking, he's like, Man, what is the White Castle of Fear? <laughs> it's like his inner monologue, and he's like, Where even is the White Castle of Fear? <laughs> <laughs> and I like how the 
the pilot knows where the White Castle of Fear is. Yeah, he's, he went to this dude at a fucking airport, and he's like, do you know where the White Castle of Fear is in the Rocky Mountains? He's like, oh yeah, I flew by it a few times. <laughs> I guess it's, that was that conversation. Mm. But um, <laughs> it was really funny because it was obviously like a dubbed dude in the studio who didn't, it was just a guy. It might have been like the dude that fucking brings him coffee. I don't know. <laughs> and then he's like, Sting, I found it. <laughs> And it shows like this shot of the mountains, and there's like you don't see anything. You just see fucking snow. Yeah, you see like a hole in like a cave and stuff. So I'm guessing yeah. that's the castle. Is that he's in a cave? Yeah, Vader's White Castle of Fear is the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> that's the twist. Um, <laughs> goes inside, and there's like a feast prepared with like <laughs> Vader's giant fucking mastodon gear he used to wear in japan to scare the japanese people with <laughs> and there's like a bunch of concubines mm-hmm. and like a fucking dwarf with an eye patch <laughs> yeah <laughs> it sounds like i'm on drugs but this is actually what's happening mm-hmm. and then all the all the concubines see sting and they're like immediately attracted to sting because it's sting <laughs> but, but then they, but then Ooh, they go stinger. yeah but then they go you shouldn't be here. Or, I, I forgot the exact word, wording, but it's like, oh, you, you're done for. Like, he's here and all that stuff. He's here. He's here. He's like, play the game. Play the game. <laughs> Fucking dwarf is doing that. <laughs> and then, like, it shows Vader working out in front of a mirror or something. <laughs> and then Harley's like, he's here. Sting's here. And then Vader's like, Bruh! and he, like, breaks the mirror by yelling at it. <laughs> yeah. And then he shows up in a cloak with, with with Harley Race. Harley Race is in like a fucking turtleneck, and it's like kind of weird to see him dressed like that. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like Stinger. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he says it like that, it cracks me up. But he's like, "You're are you ready to play the game? Are you ready to feel pain? Some shit like that." Yeah. And this thing's like, "I'm ready. I'm ready for a party." <laughs> he's wearing like a windbreaker and like fucking ray-ban sunglasses and bullshit yeah I, I i admit like i love this segment but like sting's like attire throughout this i was like it's weird but whatever he's, he's surfer sting brother that's just how he dresses he can give a fuck mm-hmm. he's ready to like go out and fucking wind surf or something like all the time he <laughs> <laughs> just but uh, Vader, he's, he he has Mr. Race produce the strap, and then he, like, throws all the food away. Hold on. And then he... We have people in the chat. We got Sweet D and Cedar. What is up? What's up? What's going on? Uh, we're talking about Big Van Vader and Stinger! And the, and the Stinger. The Sting. The man called Sting. We got Mikey. What's up, Mikey? What's up, Bennett? What's going on? Welcome to... Uh, Getting some color episode, I don't know. And we're talking about WCW Saturday night, January 30th. That's right. 1993. We're, at, <laughs> we're, at, we're in the White Castle of Fear, and Vader is explaining that this is going to, they're going to have a strap match at Super Brawl. Oh, shit. Mikey's raiding. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but Mikey, thank you for the raid. Oh, that's cool. We got raided. Raided. Just like Sting raided Vader's White Castle of Fear, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, le- a, ladder, uh, uh, a leather strap match. 
yeah, he like produces the strap and then he like the, the concubine gives it to Sting and then he like puts it on and then they have a tug of war when Vader's headgear creates a wall of fire on the table. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, it sounds like I'm on drugs right now describing this. But this is what happened. <laughs> they have a tug of war and then it just ends. Yeah. And that, that's it. That was the segment. Yeah, and uh, sorry, sorry, I'm interrupted. I'm getting like bombarded in the chat. Bennett, thank you for the follow. Just, uh, I almost called you just in time. Isn't that a wrestler? Just in time. This should be. This is just <laughs> incredible. Yeah, just tiny Tim. Thank you for the follow. That's it's, incredible. That's incredible. Um, yeah. So yeah, we had that segment, and we're going into Stephen Regal uh, promo, right? Yeah. There's not much to that. It's just. It's it's weird because it seems like he's babyface, and then they're they're letting you know that Stephen Regal's going to have his debut next week, and that was it. Uh, <laughs> I, before that, real quick though, what were your overall thoughts of the White Castle of Fear segment? Uh, I checked my pulse to see if I was alive. Um, I was alive. Um, <laughs> I still think it's funny that wrestling even today still uses midgets as comedy. Um, <laughs> did you think that you died and went to heaven or something or hell? <laughs> is this hell? I, I think a little bit of both. Uh, <laughs> I, I was like, what is happening? Why is Stinger, uh, thinking he's going to a party when Vader is the host and Vader wants to like kill people? Uh, <laughs> uh, Vader wakes up every day and thinks about when he's going to power bomb somebody. <laughs> Vader! <laughs> and I don't blame him. I, that's like the best way to lead your life. I, I wish I could fucking, I was in a position to think about shit like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think he, wake, you think he like wakes up? Or, why am I even saying you think he wakes up? He's dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he wakes up in the afterlife. Yeah. But when he was alive, you think he went to like McDonald's and he was like, McDonald's dollar menu, double cheeseburger. Vader. He's got to do the laugh first. <laughs> McDonald's! Because that's how they say McDonald's in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. No. Clown, give me chicken McNuggets. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> no pain. No oh, that's, that's what happens when he eats like a hamburger. He's like, oh, oh, oh. so much sauce. <laughs> Such a one sauce. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Um, oh, my God. So I wrote down Stephen Regal. And if anybody in the chat knows any wrestling, that's William Regal. Um, if you're familiar with NXT and WWE or F, whatever, uh, how you look at it today. I wrote Regal just being Regal. He never changes. <laughs> no, he's still, he's a constant in wrestling. It's like, even here, like, I'm not sure exactly how long he'd been wrestling before this point, but I I think it was for a while. Because especially back then, it seems like British people would start wrestling at an age that would be seemingly illegal. <laughs> like, I think Regal said he started wrestling when he was like 12 years old or some bullshit. Paige is the and, same way, by the way. I know, yeah. Like she's probably one of the last people to really do that. I know I can't say that because, uh, like a lot of the like Finn Balor, I think is another one that kind of did that, and I think Becky Lynch even did too. 
she went to Japan like at a really young age. Like she was in her early twenties, I think, or like she was like twenty mm-hmm. doing that shit. This is like fuck. <laughs> you you think Becky's ever gonna come back to wrestling? I think she will. I think it's just gonna be a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I hope so. That's good. Uh, what, I got distracted. Uh, but it's okay. We got raided and we, we had like a fever dream segment we had to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'll say this about that segment real fast and we'll finally move on. Okay. Is like, I like it when wrestling in general is, is serious and it tries to present itself seriously. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I can appreciate the campy elements that are in wrestling too. Oh yeah, and this is like this is like an example of that. <laughs> oh yeah, especially when you know they're having their little leather uh, tug of war going on, and like a little tiny flame goes in between the the table, and <laughs> like he you know uh, Vader is obviously like winning and shit, and then it goes Super Bowl th- Super Brawl three, and I'm like yeah that that's a promo. I, I'm I'm hyped for it now. I was hyped before, but this got me over the top. I'm fucking ready for this pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah up next we got scotty flamingo and rip rogers uh versus marcus alexander bagwell and eric watts fuck eric watts and everything he stands for that fucking tall piece of shit that's getting pushed for nothing lanky yeah and it was funny because the people in the in center stage even booed him again yeah. <laughs> i wrote two things on here because this was another fucking squash match. Which, if anybody who doesn't know who Scotty Flamingo is, again, he is Raven, um, ECW, and WWF superstar. Uh, but anyway, I wrote two things. I said, I feel like people like Bagwell more. And fuck you, Eric Watts. <laughs> That's what I wrote. Yeah, Bagwell seems to be genuinely over as like a young baby face guy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And uh, Rip Rogers, by the way, I gave a shout out to Rip Rogers. Uh, if you don't know who he is, uh, he later became like a pretty prominent trainer in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he was a trainer for OVW for a while. Okay, so he was working with uh, Jim Cornette? Yeah, and uh, I think Rip helped train Cena and Batista and all that. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. So, like, those are a lot of the guys he, he helped train is like the people from around that time. And I was like, Oh, I get to see Rip Rogers wrestle. That's interesting. And like, he has a very distinct look. Mm -hmm. I'll give him that. He has like a weird black and blonde beard and like this weird braided hair. And he wears like crazy fucking shorts. You can definitely, you definitely pick him out out of a lineup. (laughs) Um, there is not much to say about this because it's squash. Yeah. I put no score on this. (laughs) Yeah. Eric has pretty good basics and is mechanically decent, but he just has zero physical charisma. Yeah. And he has zero personality charisma. Mm-hmm. He is a charisma vacuum. <laughs> Rip Rogers sold really well. Yes. Uh, Eric gets the STF and then Marcus Alexander Bagwell. I'm always going to call him his full name because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> Fucking, he, he did a cross body to Scotty Flamingo and they both fucking flew out of the ring i thought that i always get like i go oh shit every time people do that because i think that's like a spot to me it seems like a spot you could easily get hurt in shit could go awry mm-hmm. 
But they came out of it okay. Um, you want to we'll talk, yep. talk about huh? this cringe uh, segment between P.S. Michael Hayes and fucking Leonard Skinner? I didn't see that. No? Um, they cut that out. They said, um, up next we have uh, Leonard Skinner talking about Slam Jam 1, and then it just went right into like the next thing. Oh, my God. Um, but anyway... <laughs> P.S. Michael Hayes is talking about something. I think he's he talking about the uh, the soundtrack because apparently Leonard Skinner's in it, and um, it, it, they have two band members there. I don't I I don't know them by names. I just I think it was the head singer guy and some you know guitarist or something like that. But P.S. Michael Hayes is like has them like arm in arm and stuff, and he's shaking them like this. While he's talking, and one of the Leonard Skinner guys is like, "Can you stop shaking me?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's cool, man. It's cool. It's cool." And then it just ends. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh man, this is like when the Freebirds were probably at their lowest point. Yeah, I think at this point, Terry Gordy was—he uh, went to wrestle in Japan full time. I think. And I'm not sure about this, but this might be close to the time where he has that really bad injury that kind of fucks him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I forgot what happened to him exactly. He like overdosed on some pills and it like fucked up his brain. Like pretty much. He, he had like big gaps in his memory and he lost some of his motor function and everything and some of his cognitive abilities. Mm-hmm. And he later he recovered from it and he became the executioner in, in WWF. He had like a little run coming back. He just wasn't the same though. But Michael Hayes was like it was like Michael Hayes and I think Jimmy Garvin. Yeah. And it was like they they do this shit where they wouldn't sell for people. <laughs> like I don't know. They were trying to put themselves over and it pissed a lot of people off. Uh anyway though, yeah. Uh Next up's promo with Ricky Morton and uh, Robert Gibson. And Ricky Morton was Ricky or Rick Morton. He did a great job, and Robert Gibson was there. Yeah, I. <laughs> you guys want to hear a Robert Gibson promo? Hi, I'm Rod. Hey, man, I'm Robert Gibson, and we're just gonna go in there. We're gonna have a wrestling match, and we're gonna win it. There you go. There. There's your Robert Gibson promo. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly not his strength, and he knows that. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving him credit for knowing, like, when he they do promos, he just says something really short and to the point, and then he just lets Ricky take over. Because he can do a good promo. Oh, yeah, because when, right when Ricky Morton goes, I'm like, that's a fucking promo. We're going to be at ringside, and we're going to watch you, Wrecking Crew. I'm, I'm fucking – anytime he talks, I get hyped up. I, even when he, like, was doing promos recently, mm-hmm. he still got that. Um. I'm excited to see that match, though. I'm excited to see rock and roll, like, when they're 20-some years younger. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, Wreck and Crew comes out, and they fight some jobbers. Rex Cooper I, and Rick Ryder. I just didn't want to write their name down because I knew they were going to job. <laughs> <laughs> and they open up, and they blindside the jobbers during introductions. And then Rick Ryder throws some really shitty looking punches. Mm-hmm. And then dude just picks them up and they hit the wrecking ball and it's over. That was it. The, the other dude just got his ass kicked and he tagged back out. I wrote this down. I said, holy shit, Rage is like fucking throwing them around. And then yeah. all, and all of a sudden I wrote, wow, Fury only has 
two moves. Like he would like clothesline them, and then he would do that like John Cena like tackle thing, you know, before he does the five knuckle shuffle. Oh, the flying shoulder tackle. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow, he only has two moves, LOL, and then they did the wrecking ball, and I'm like, all right, no score. <laughs> no score. It was okay squash, I guess. Um, We got another up-close segment. I really like these with Gordon Soley this time, and I, th- I was really intrigued by this. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know about Gordon Soley? I don't know, and I, and I don't know about him, but I guess by you know judging that he's a great announcer and stuff and like analyst of wrestling... Um, he put over those wrestlers, which I thought was great. Yeah, Gordon Soley is held up by a lot of people. Like Jim Ross was, that was like Jim Ross's inspiration was Gordon Soley. Mm-hmm. And uh, like he was like the guy until like Jim Ross kind of came into prominence for like a play-by-play dude. And Gordon Soley is like that stereotypical hard-nosed, uh, I am a play-by-play commentator. I think often he did commentation commentary by himself for a while. That's hard to and do. It, it is. It's really hard to do. Uh, but like, it, he's he's kind of dry a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he has this very distinct voice. And I know, like, man, just talking about this wrestling shit, just this guy with the way he talks, it gives it this weird gravitas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, he's he's famous for calling a suplex a suplex. <laughs> and this was like a belly to belly suple. That's some scientific wrestling. You have to get, I don't know, you have to go to YouTube and type in like a Yeah, I'll, I'll probably do that after and see what the deal is. But yeah, Gordon, they, they ask Gordon about what he thinks about staying in Vader and shit, and he puts them over. And then they, they tell us next week Gordon's going to do it up close and he's going to interview Cactus Jack. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm looking forward to this now. Okay. <laughs> All right, I, I'm actually excited now. Yeah, so like that's cool. Um, Tony interviews Harley Race, Barry Windham, and Vader. <laughs> Harley's back there doing his hype up shit, mm-hmm. and then while he's doing that, Barry and Vader have a hearty handshake, and they seem to be really great friends. <laughs> <laughs> like Barry's just smiling and shit. <laughs> Vader's like goofing off. He's got like that that strap, and he's like, oh, he's like hyping himself up. Yep. And then Vader does the promo. I basically did a version of that promo at the start of the show. Um, it's great. Is it? And Barry says some shit too, but it was it was short and sweet. He didn't get a whole lot in, but yeah. Yeah, he's just like, I'm gonna plant you with my DDT or whatever. We'll whip your ass, boy. Yeah. Just <laughs> typical. Now. Max Payne versus J-Gun. That's Johnny Gun. I call him J-Gun. <laughs> I don't give a shit about this guy. <laughs> um, This was another squash. Yep. Uh, Payne looked all right in this match, but he beats J-Gun with a Fujiwara armbar. That was it. Mm-hmm. I wrote, yeah. I, wrote, I wrote down, I said, wow, Z-Man had some offense. Dot 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 dot. <laughs> then I wrote, "You mean, mean J Gun? You called him Z Man?" Oh yeah, J uh, Gun. My bad. See how much of an impression this guy leaves on you. <laughs> but I wrote, I also wrote Max Payne looks ridiculous again. He looks weird. He yeah, he needs to do something with his look. I think. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not doubting his ability. I think he already, I can tell, like, yeah, this guy's kind of decent for, like, a big man. Because they, they said he was, like, 340 pounds or some bullshit. Now, sometimes they inflate those figures a little. But see, he definitely looks like he's north of 300. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, he, he, there, he, that guy might have something. I guess this is like a wait and see thing. Um, up next, Tony interviews Sting and Dustin. And Sting is all fired up. Yep. He's great. And then Dustin says a few things. Dustin be like his daddy. He's, he's doing a little bit of that there. Mm-hmm. Short, short and sweet. Um, and then we got Paul Orndorff versus Barbarian. Yeah, which, by the way, I kind of like that they, uh, they brought back like remember when <laughs> the barbarian was gonna like choke out Harley Race and then Paul Orndorff just fucking pile drives him on the floor. I fucking love that. That was so <laughs> great. It was just crazy. It just looked like chaos was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, barbarian comes out last, and then like Orndorff runs across the ring and throws his robe on him and starts punching the shit out of him. I love that. Yep, I wrote blindfolded barb. I wrote, I wrote barb with a robe. <laughs> um, he 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 tries to punch him and he does some turnbuckle shots and stuff. But barbarian no sells it. This is a guy I could buy no selling a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back and he overpowers him, throws him in the corner, he big boots him out, and he scoops slams Horndorf on the floor. Makes that <laughs> awful noise. Yep. <laughs> God damn it. And then he throws these nasty ass looking elbow drops on him. I was like, fuck. He's like, this is this is good. I like this. Mm-hmm. It was vicious. It was very vicious. It was very stiff. So uh, I was enjoying it. Hey, do you remember um, when I was showing you that Twitter account? That's our Mongo. Yeah. Steve Mongo. There was a, a brief clip of Mongo having a match with Barbarian. Really? <laughs> Yeah, and it was actually not bad. Oh, shit. <laughs> I gotta see that. I think it was just because, though, like, Barbarian was, like, being rough with him. And it was basically like, fucking stay here. And he just stiffs the shit out of him. <laughs> like, he's, like, punching him, like, cross face, like, across his fucking face. That's awesome. <laughs> and they're, like, stiffing each other because Mongo can't work and Barbarian's being a Barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, though, that... Let's see. Uh, after that uh, bit on the floor, he beats on Orndorff for a little while, and then he gets Orndorff gets control for a little bit, doing some elbow drops. Yep. Then Barb reasserts himself with big clothesline, rope attack. I don't know what to call that move. It's kind of like the thing Steve Austin does in the second rope where he puts your throat across the rope and he runs at you and like lands on you with his leg. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, yeah, that was that's pretty good for him. I was like, you know, it's going to choke the hell out of Orndorff because Barbarian's not, not a small dude. He's huge. So, yeah, the Barbarian does that. Like when you're on the top rope, mm-hmm. not on the second. So it's, he gets his leg all the way up against you. It looks pretty good. Then he does a running power slam. Orndorff gets his foot on the ropes and then Barbarian thinks he won. And the ref's like, so again, somebody else thought they won and they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> And then he's like, no, you didn't win. And then Orndorff just does the knee. The the He buries that knee in his back, like the Macho Man-style knee, and then he just German suplexes him and wins. Yeah. Good. Good finish. What'd you give it? I gave this a 6 out of 10. 
I gave it a 5.95 out of 10. Um, I thought it was pretty good, and Orndorff sold his ass off in this match. Yeah, there was a part where Paul Orndorff did a Ric Flair style sell, um, which he was like, he like flopped weird, you know, overselling backwards and stuff. It was awesome. It was funny. He did like a little spin out thing and stuff, but not like, not overselling to where it's ridiculous, like shit Shawn Michaels would do sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, main so, event time. This is it. The main event. Big Van Vader and Barry Windham versus Sting and Dustin Rhodes. And what did you think about this one? Uh, Dustin Dustin did some offense because uh, I, I base off of momentum in my notes mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not really that well. I, I know the common uh, wrestling moves when it comes to headlock and everything. But like Dustin and... Uh, I almost said Sting, but they're on the same team. But Dustin and Barry were going uh, at it for a little bit, and I was digging it because, you know, Dustin's great when it comes to wrestling because he wrestles like his dad, but, you know, faster a little bit. Uh, But then when Vader came in, Vader just says, fuck you to Dustin and just fucking annihilates him. And I really uh, started digging the whole uh, Vader and Barry Windham, which, by the way, I kind of like them as a tag team. I hope this is a future... Tag team champions, maybe in the future. It seems like they have kind of a group going with Barry Vader and Paul Orndorff. Mm. And it's like because Paul Orndorff and Vader teamed up too, and I thought that was cool. Yeah, and, and Barry's like fucking amazing. So, um, anyway, when they were doing you know keeping Dustin down, Dustin was getting beaten down badly. Mm, yeah. Uh, which, you know, obviously they're building up to the moment where Dustin tags and Sting. And uh, <laughs> after they bring in Sting, I wrote, wow, there's so much chaos going on now. It's not the bad chaos like a- AEW where everything's all over the place. This is more like referee can't get a handle. Like it's planned that he can't get a handle on it. Uh, but you see like Vader and... Uh, Dustin on the back on the on the outside, like Harley Race getting involved a little bit, um, but I don't know. If, once Vader comes in, you're just like this match is over. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much slowed the pace down, mm-hmm. and not like the whole oh he's he's doing a methodical bullshit code word. This is going to be slow. Mm-hmm. Vader just came in and fucking overpowered Dustin and crushed him. Yep, <laughs> as he should. But um. Yeah, I wrote, uh, let's see. Barry starts the match off with his classic move. He slaps the shit out of somebody. (laughs) That's how he starts every match that I've seen so far. He has, like, some kind of little exchange, and he slaps the fucking piss out of them. (laughs) (laughs) Then they start wrestling. Uh, The controversial Barry Wyndham strikes again. (laughs) Uh, Sting and Barry go back and forth, and they're somewhat evenly matched for a while, and that seemed like a pretty... I was like, man, I'd like to see that match. Um, Sting does some corner punches. That's something that else that nobody does anymore, it seems like. Yeah. I don't know why. The corner punch is such a classic move. It gets people hyped up. They're in the crowd. I know there's no crowds anymore. <laughs> but they, maybe they should think about that. To kind of backtrack and, a little bit, uh, back when the Mr. Perfect and Ric Flair, uh, the corner punches when, like, you know, somebody goes on the middle rope and does the the punches. 
pushed down its face, and the crowd goes like, one, two, three. Yeah, nobody does that anymore either. And I kind of want to bring this up because we didn't mention it. But Heenan goes, that's a closed fist. That's illegal. That's illegal. <laughs> yeah, he'll say shit's illegal. And then if Flair does something, it's obviously illegal. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, he didn't get caught, so it doesn't matter. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, Sting tags Dustin in. And he gets he fires the crowd up when he comes in. And it seems like people want to see uh, Barry and Dustin have a match. They've been referencing, all oh, they had some problems and some shit happened, but as of yet, so far, they've not really had a singles match. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless something had happened before, and it's, like, unresolved, and we just don't know. Well, he is a U.S. champion, so maybe that's what Barry's going for. Well, Barry's having the match for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship at Super Brawl. Yeah. So, I don't know. Isn't that beneath him? Maybe. <laughs> maybe if he did <laughs> Maybe if he doesn't get the NWA, you got the U.S. title to, to land on, I guess. We'll see what happens, I guess. But, um, so yeah, Dustin kind of whips Barry's ass for a little bit, and then Barry manages to, like, tag Vader, and that's where you're talking about where Vader just crushes him. Mm-hmm. Dustin try, gets a little bit offense on Vader, and he kind of dazes him a little bit, and then Vader just clotheslines him, and he fucking turns him inside out. <laughs> that stopped him. He just did a flip. And then he does this net fucking nasty ass Samoan drop. He's got one of the best Samoan drops I've ever seen. Yeah, looks deadly. <laughs> it just looks fucking brutal. <laughs> uh, let's see. At some point, Vader pounds on Dustin for a little bit. Barry comes in and he hits his sick ass flow in DDT. And he got two for that. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a great finish. Um. Dustin hits sunset flip and then Barry's not quite over and he's so fucking tall and shit. He's able to tag Vader from across the ring. <laughs> <laughs> so Vader comes in and just clotheslines Dustin from the back and fucks him up. And, and then he like squash. This is, this was a crazy part too. Vader goes to the top rope and he tries to do a clothesline mm-hmm. off, off the top and he misses. He rolls through and gets up on his feet. Yeah, he's very athletic. I mean, that uh, announcer that you were talking about before is like, it's a 300-pound man doing 200-pound moves, and he's really impressed, and I'm really impressed that he did that, too. Yeah, he used to be able to move, but um, <laughs> like Dustin's trying to crawl to Sting, and he just squashes him with a splash <laughs> like while he's crawling. And I was like, fuck, he's dead. Get his spatula. Uh. Barry tags back in and he beats the fuck out of Dustin. (laughs) (laughs) And then they tag each other and then Dustin hits a Manhattan drop on fucking Barry and he does a face crusher and finally gets stinging. Place goes ape shit. Yeah. They were were like, I could see people getting up off the fucking seats and jumping and shit. Sting got in. Yeah, they they definitely did a good build to that moment. Hot tag. Mm -hmm. That's something people don't know how to do anymore either. I just choose not to. I guess this is the thing about modern wrestling. I think the big thing is people don't want to sell. People don't want to look weak. Oh, I can't look weak. It'll make me look like shit. (laughs) Being a fucking mark for yourself. (laughs) I'm just, that's what it is. Um, I digress though. (laughs) Sting unleashes a flurry of blows on Barry and then hits the stinger splash. 
and this is where the chaos happens the controlled chaos yeah because what happens is instead of there being fucking camera cuts everywhere like goddamn uh oh fuck i forgot his name fucking dude i hate wwe who's in charge kevin dunn kevin dunn jesus christ i hate that when he does all those quick camera cuts yeah I saw it for the Retribution debut. The camera was cutting everywhere, and I was like, "Why the fuck? What the, <laughs> how can anybody follow this?" Nobody can. It's stupid. But um, th- this is what they do to to show you everything that's happening. They just go to hard camera. Yeah. You know that, that camera out there in the stands where you just see the ring, and you can see everything happening. Yeah, you see, except for where Vader went, that was the one thing I didn't know. Like, where the fuck did Vader go? He just disappeared. Somehow Vader disappeared. And came back with a strap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you see, Dustin is out there beating up an old man. <laughs> <laughs> he's beating up poor Harley Race. And then Sting is, like, beating up Barry, and he's putting him in the Scorpion Deathlock. <laughs> and then... Finally, Vader shows up and he saves Harley. He saves the old man from getting killed. And then Harley starts beating up Dustin, and I don't fucking blame him. Because <laughs> what did Harley do up to this point? What did he do? Yeah, he didn't do anything. That's just like when Barbarian attacked him. He just fired him. <laughs> he didn't have to fucking choke the life out of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... Yeah, Vader's got the strap, though, and then he gets in, and, like, I think they DQ'd him when Harley started hitting Dustin. I thought he, I think that's what, I thought he DQ'd him when Vader hit Sting with the the strap. Oh, I'm, I must have been too busy watching that. Yeah, because there's a, there's a point where all the chaos is happening, and all of a sudden you just see Vader come out of the, you know, the, the camera, coming into the camera view with a fucking strap, and just uh, Sting is, like out like this and he just takes the strap and just goes like that and then that's when the the bell rings okay that that's the downside of the hard camera while you can't see everything you have to decide what to focus on mm-hmm. i was focusing on harley ray's beating the hell out of dustin <laughs> and, and then uh i wrote down i said when vader's doing the passion of christ on sting uh <laughs> the whole locker room starts to come out and what the locker room comes out to save people yeah <laughs> that's another thing that pisses me off now people get like fucking ganged up on like on both shows on AEW anything in WWE whatever mm-hmm. you know, unless it involves the undisputed era because they're heels and now they're baby faces I guess but whatever hmm. <laughs> but like when somebody's getting their ass kicked by like more than one guy or something or they're like getting brutalized they don't fucking nobody comes out to help now, recently, with the Mr. Brody Lee bullshit and all the lawnmowers, <laughs> Dustin came out and QT Marshall came out and all that shit, but they did it stupidly. They did it, like, one at a time for some reason. <laughs> like, it's not how you help. <laughs> but And I don't know why you need to cue music for it to come in. It's, why? It's so stupid. Like, I understand, like, when Steve Austin does it, because when that glass breaks you get hyped no matter what and you know shit's about to go down um but then again yeah but then again steve austin doesn't save a lot of people he just comes out and he just wants to beat ass um but when like you're saving people just come out like all of you at the same time it's so it has to look look urgent Mm -hmm. you know 
And it, it, it has to be like, it's unbelievable that all you're watching this dude get his ass kicked by a bunch of people. And this dude's supposed to be a baby face. And it's like, well, shouldn't you guys kind of be friends or at least respect each other? Mm. Like, so it's Sting and Dustin are getting fucked up. So yeah, a lot of the baby faces come out from backstage to help, but they all fear Vader. Yeah. Because he's swinging that strap around and he's Vader and they're just like, fuck no, fuck that. <laughs> and then he gets one more shot on Sting as he's getting away. <laughs> and that was the end of the show. Basically. I gave the match a seven out of 10. Me too. It was fun. It ended in a DQ. I don't care. I don't bitch about that shit unless it's stupid. Like how they did it was stupid. Mm-hmm. It wasn't executed poorly. It made sense. It was fine. Yeah. Um, plus, you don't want to give away big matches like this with top talent on TV. Like just like, oh, he decided he decisively beat him on TV. <laughs> so, what did you give the overall show? Um, I gave it a six point twenty five out of ten. It was okay. There were a lot of squashes. Um, but I do think sometimes you got to have some squash matches. Uh, White Castle of Fear was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the event was good. Now, I'll, I will admit the squashes didn't seem to really, it didn't seem like they were planning anything with them necessarily. Yeah. It's like, I don't know why they had so many tag team matches that were just squashes. I, I could tell you which ones I could deal without. Uh, I mean, I guess if you're trying to show off Max Payne, do it better. So I could have dealt without the Max Payne versus Johnny Gunn or Jay Gunn. Um, the only one that makes sense is Rex Cooper versus Ryder versus, uh, I mean, not versus, but Rex Cooper and Ryder versus Wrecking Crew uh, because of the Rock and Roll Express is going to be on the side. That made sense. Um, Scotty Flamingo, Rip Rogers versus Watson Bagwell. I could have dealt without that. Um, Eric Watts is in it. <laughs> yeah, it's not even that. It's just like why? Why was this a match? Um, this is my theory now. Now that we're talking about this and we're laying it out, I think this may have been some kind of like really quick attempt to try to like establish some makeshift tag teams. Mm-hmm for Pillman and Austin to face after they, I think they're going to win the titles at Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that makes sense. I haven't looked forward into the future to, to, to be able, or the past, I guess, <laughs> to be able to tell uh, if they do or not. That's just the feeling I get. I think they're going to win those titles. So a lot of these ba- teams that won were baby face teams. Yeah. So yeah. my overall score, um, I wrote down that, you know, the, Squash matches were kind of annoying, um, but I understood some of them. Um, I always like Vader. I like the fucking White Castle of Fear. I think that was the best part of the fucking show. Um, but I'm going to have to give this a 5.75 out of 10. That's fine. Some people, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be like, how much do you care about squash matches kind of thing? If you don't really care about them, mm-hmm. then... Yeah, this show won't be as good for you. Me, they're quick and they're inoffensive usually. Mm-hmm. And I think they were sort of planning something with them, so I didn't didn't mind it as much. Cool. Well, I think we're. What do we got next? What What is next on the? Uh, we're at the end of the month, right? We are. The month is over. So what we're going to do is next week. 
we're gonna have a it's a special because usually we're just bi-weekly mm-hmm. so we're gonna do a general dis- sort of general discussion through ranking stuff certain things through these shows that we've watched such as like uh what who do you think was the best overall talent throughout watching this entire month mm-hmm. who was the worst you know and like what was what was the best match what was the worst match um then there's also uh i made a top 12 for just top 12 uh people you like you know so far like who's impressed you the most who's uh you know all that stuff it can be whatever criteria you want to rank the the 12 wrestlers that impressed you the most and they, they may not even necessarily have to be wrestlers it could be man- managers or something okay, okay. yeah all right, well, guys, get ready for next week when we have our little awards for the month. Um, if you want to catch more of getting some color, you could always go on you know, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and um, Red Circle. If you, terp, if, you terp, if you type in Nerd of View Network, you'll catch all getting some color episodes. And you also get Big Trouble Little Podcast, which we are going into horror month. Uh, we're going to be watching Jason X and Event Horizon uh, for Andy's pick uh, for October. And we also have the Nemesis Project, which is coming back in less than a month. We're going to be talking about the books and then hopefully getting back on track with some Resident Evil 6 and the Revelation games before hopefully Resident Evil 8 comes out. <laughs> That's right. So keep an eye out on that. Uh, but until next time, everybody, um, get some color and hoo, hoo, hoo. peace. See ya. <laughs> Later, guys. <laughs>